My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. I am in the sound booth again, and today I am being joined by Elliot Kelly. And we are going to have an interesting discussion, so sit tight and let's sound off. So, Elliot, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. I know you have the applause in the background, so I kind of braced myself for that as well. You know me well. Well, you know, we do our homework. It's always been one of my goals, Julie, to share things that matter with people that matter. So it was really a privilege and an honor to share with your audience today. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm really happy to have you on the show today. So let's hit the ground running. Tell us, who is Elliot Kelly? What are you about and how did you get here? Great. Well, my, my story is really simple. I'm from the Bahamas. I'm based in the UK. Um, I, I'm an author. I'm an entrepreneur as well as I'm a coach. So I do mentoring as well. Um, some of my popular books are The Eye of the Needle, The Cost of Success, Inside Out, It's an Inside Job. We did Creating a Platinum Lifestyle, Set Your Mind on Fire, and most recently, Ahead of the Storm, How Successful People Create Momentum in Times of Uncertainty. Um, one of my passions has always been to give back to the community. There's been so many people, Julie, that have kind of laid out opportunities for me and I felt that I, I was obligated It's my duty, as Grant Cardone would say, success is my duty, my obligation, and my responsibility to pass that on. And that's why I'm here. Awesome. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Um, so we met on the Carib HR Forum. I listened yeah. to you give this really amazing talk. And you based it a lot on your life experiences and what kind of propelled you and pushed you towards HR. And I would really love for you to just share a little bit of that experience with our audience. Like what really pushed you into the HR space? Because that's not where you started, right? No, it's, it's not where I started. I, start, I started off in hospitality. So I think the transferable skill was the service element. Um, we always say in our seminars that service is the currency of the future. And we believe that with our heart. Those persons that tend to create more value for others, those are going to be the successful people. Um, HR is clearly in a transition um, with the pandemic and everything else that's going on. Yeah. We've had lots of different iterations over the last 30 years. Um, one of those being moving from a more transactional situation to more of a relationship. Whereas we even have on this Zoom in interaction or conversation, that relationship building process. So I think for me, it all began when I decided that it wasn't about Elliot, but yeah. it was about adding value to others and building those strong relationships. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciate everything that you just said there because building relationships, number one, is key. And the fact that you were able to make that make that re realization and then make that transition so that you could be in a space that you could give, I think is, is truly powerful. And, and kudos to you definitely for that. What I really appreciated about that talk that you gave is you recognize the, the and I think a lot of people don't see this, 
So we are going through a very crazy time globally, this huge pandemic. But I mean, outside of that, on a general year-to-year, day-to-day basis, we as HR professionals are going through a lot of things. We are taking care of our organization from top to bottom, and it can be very draining. And for me personally, I recognize that going through COVID-19 and the preparation to get the staff home, getting them home, you know, checking in on them when I um, weekly, daily, putting things in place to keep them engaged. I personally am exhausted. And if there are HR professionals out there who are like me, they're exhausted too. And one of the things that you pointed out in your talk is about HR professionals recognizing burnout, that they can get burned out and the importance of taking care of themselves. A lot of times people do not recognize that we as HR professionals burn out, that we get tired, that we need help, that we need support too. And I really appreciated that about your talk. What inspired you? What is What story led you to the point that you felt it was necessary to talk about this topic? Well, mental health has always been a, it's something that I've been close to, I've grown close to through my own struggle. And I'll share with you um, the passing of my mom who died from cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the real pivotal moment in my life. I speak about it in my book as well, The Cost of Success. My mom and I were very, very close. She's from the Bahamas. I'm from the Bahamas. And she grew me and my sister up with very strong values. She was always there for us as far as if we did things wrong, she wouldn't just chastise us. She would show us the error in our ways and how we could improve that. Right. Um, coming back coming back to where you're talking about wellness, that's something that she was very, very um, interested in. Um, our diet on schools, in school, we only had like patty and hot dogs. Wow. And for those people in the Caribbean, I know you have the Jamaican descent as well as the Bayesian descent. But yeah. You know about patty and, yeah. and having all those greasy chicken and all that That's stuff. Patty and cocoa bread. <laughs> so bread. She, she wanted to, while she wanted us to enjoy life and have that balance, she also wanted to provide us with the carrots, to provide us with the fruits. Um, five a day was, was something we were familiar with in our house. V8 juice. Um, I don't know for those of yeah. you who, who are into yeah. the veg. My mom was very strong on V8 juice. So V8 juice was something that was in our fridge. Um, We would take the the bush medicine, um, whether it's Ceracy or having a bath in sage. So so it's very, very practical. And I think that's why sometimes we're able to relate with our audience, because especially for those persons who are from the Caribbean, they know these stories. For the persons that are international, our international audience, they want to learn about these stories. So wellness, as far as we did the little push-ups, uh, you know, we went for walks. Um, it wasn't anything extreme. We weren't trying to become Mrs. and Mr. Olympia, mm-hmm. but we were trying to move away from that sedentary lifestyle that is um, so popular in the Caribbean. Right. Um, in our parking, um, very practical. Again, she would park away from her office door so that she could walk a little bit further. Yeah. Obviously, the lighting so that it could be as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, taking the stairs instead of using the lift or the elevators, um, we would do that as well. So mm-hmm. we, we use some really, really practical steps as far as that. Um, speaking back to the point where I lost her, that was an emotional turmoil for me. Yeah. And I had to come to grips with the, well, I came from a single parent home. I had to come to grips that the, my mother, father was gone. Yeah. If, if you get me, my mother and my father were gone. And, and that is 
That is not something that I could have dealt with on my own. Yeah. I had to I had to step out of myself and find professional help. And one of the things I, I just did a consultation with one of my friends and I, I, I shared with him, I was like, you know, we all get bombarded with those calls that say, oh, Elliot, I know what you're going through. Oh, Julie, I know what you're going through. The fact of the matter is every person in their own crisis is in that crisis themselves. Yeah. And only they can really kind of appreciate where they are at that point. A lot of times we do need to reach out for professional help. So for those persons that may be listening, for those persons that may be watching the show today, this may be the sign or the voice that you needed to hear to kind of get out of yourself and allow a professional in confidence to, to, to assist you through this crisis, through a crisis. It, you, will, you will thank us for it. You will thank Julie for it. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really sorry, you know, about the loss of your, your mother. I, I lost my father just about four years ago. And I know um, that's still very deep for me um, in terms of that entire loss and how I dealt with that. So I, I know for sure there are some things you just can't go through alone. But you've you raised a, a very interesting point, Elliot, because what is it? I don't know what it is about us as HR professionals that we feel like we are there for everyone. We're giving everyone our, our energy, our 1,000%. But there's something within us that says we of ourselves can't ask for help. How do you push past that space of I, something is wrong with me. I know something is wrong with me. I know that I need to get help, but I, I feel too prideful to do it. How do you how do you push past that? Well, my mentor, who's Marshall Goldsmith, one of the things he shares in his book, What Got You Here, Won't Get You There, is the fact that oftentimes we take on this Superman approach or superwoman, <laughs> with all respect yes. to the women in the house, approach. And, and this in itself is because it has worked for us. It is what has gotten us to the point that we are at. But that Superman approach, it is not sustainable. Um, in the success journey, whether you're setting goals, um, that goal may be to go on a diet. That goal may be to quit smoking. That goal may be to move out of an abusive relationship. These things are processes and they take time. Um, and it comes in answer to your question. It comes with a lot of self-awareness. It's not going to happen over one podcast. It's not going to happen after repeating affirmations over 21 days. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. We're very, we're very and William James speaks about um, pragmatism. So we offer a lot of practical advice. Um, sometimes after 21 days, quote unquote, the thing hasn't kicked in as yet. You may go 21 more days. It is not the principle of reaching somewhere. The self-awareness is a journey. And that journey is different for Elliot. That, different, that journey is different for Julie. And so the person listening or the person watching, you should, uh, when they went over to, they went, um, some of the philosophers, they went out to on a journey and they ar arrived to a place called Delphi. And mm -hmm. above the actual tomb or the actual stone, there was writing on that stone and it actually said, know thyself. Yeah. And that's what I encourage people to do, to try and learn yourself. You know, some people, and, and this is very practical from an HR perspective, they don't even realize when they're having a poor attitude, you know, the way they come across to their employees, the yeah. way they may speak to their manager. 
So self-awareness is the answer to that question. Get, getting to know yourself helps you to know that, hey, I am burned out. I cannot do this anymore. Um, we spoke about getting professional help. Yeah. I may need to get help. And that help may not necessarily be a person. Um, that help can also be a system. So you may have to put systems in place. You have persons that are trying to respond to 1,000 emails. That is not sustainable. Yeah. You may have to find a system. Examples of that, so this is not esoteric. You may want to get a virtual advisor, a, a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. You know, there mm -hmm. are lots of persons, whether they're in the Philippines, they're probably in Barbados, they're in the Bahamas. Yeah. There are people online that are not in work. They are at home. Utilize this time to procure those persons that can be of assistance to you so that you don't have to take on everything yourself. Yeah, I, I love that tip because I think um, just as you mentioned, some people, and especially in the HR space, do feel like they are their superheroes. They gotta save everyone. They gotta save the company. We're juggling everything, and you know we really have to be the one that's on top of everything. But you can't be on top of everything, and you know you have to recognize the importance of the time where you gotta let go and get the necessary help that you need. A virtual assistant is a, is a great way of doing that. And as you were saying, I also thought about, you know, there are some HR professionals who are in organizations, they have teams, but they don't hand over anything. They keep everything close to the chest. I must know this. I must know that. You, you're just my assistant. You went to know this. You're just supposed to file paper and this kind of stuff. And I want to talk about that growth mindset for us as HR professionals, that it, why it's so important for us to learn to hand over. And I came across a quote that I would love your thoughts on. Um, that I saw recently, I watched this Netflix show called Emily in Paris recently. And in the show, this young lady is working in a marketing agency. Her boss gets a, a promotion to go move to Paris to take on a job. But then she finds out that she's pregnant and she sends Emily, who is her assistant, instead. And one of the things that Emily says is, I feel like I'm stepping on your toes. And she says, you're not stepping on my toes, you're stepping into my shoes. And I thought that that was such an amazing moment. A lot of us as HR professionals, and I find like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it out straight, a lot of us women, women in HR, we hold information. We wanna be close to the CEO. We don't want our assistants to get close to the CEO because we're afraid that they're gonna take our job or whatever the case may be. But how? Do we get in that space, Elliot, of letting go and letting that person step into our shoes so that they can go? How do we do that? Well, well, two points. Uh, when we look at the cost of success, um, one of the elements of that success is succession planning. Um, so when we look at succession planning, we look at moving away from a point where Elliot has to do everything, all right? Our leaders, as John C. Maxwell describes it, a true leader is defined by the leaders that he creates, yes. not the followers that he creates. So we try to put ourselves, you and I and other leaders, we try to put ourselves in a position where we are transferring, duplicating and replicating knowledge. One of the persons that I always look up to as a, a role model, uh, just as an umbrella person would be, his name is Eric Worre and he's from Network Marketing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he always preaches is being able to duplicate yourself. Um, 
that or duplicate your system, I should say that correctly so it's not transferred in the wrong way. Duplicate your method, your methodology, so that what I can do, Julie can then go out and get, do and get the same results. Mm -hmm. Another person who speaks about that is a gentleman by the name of Michael Gerber. And he wrote a book called The E-Myth Revisited. And he speaks of the same thing, not working in the system, but working you know, on the system. So mm -hmm. it's the exact same principle where you're not so bogged down. You're able to use a franchise model yeah. and get, get consistent results. I spoke about, I use a keyword earlier called sustainability. It's not sustainable for Elliot to be the sign-off person. Because mm -hmm. what happens, God forbid, if There's I am no ill for whatever reason, I'm traveling abroad, I'm on a speaking gig. That means that the signature has to then wait until I am available. Yeah. Again, yeah. That, that's not the model of the future. You work in, in, in performance-based activity, you work in a performance management um, capacity, you know that, that that won't give you the highest yield. So succession planning is the order of the day, the ability to look at where can I put John? Where will John be three months, six months, nine months, 12 months from now? And getting John's buy-in, I'm just using John, hopefully John is listening. <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting, John, getting John's buy-in into this process. Um, looking at SWOT analysis to see what his strengths are, to see what his weaknesses are, to see what his opportunities are, and if there are any threats to that. So I hope that answers your question. Definitely answers my question. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I also feel like from a female perspective that um, it's really important to understand that letting go doesn't mean that you are obsolete. Letting go gives you the opportunity to grow as well. As you look at other positions in your organization, that gives you an opportunity to look at opportunities for yourself. So you're helping that person to get into your space, learn the business the way that you know it, so you can have the vacation that you need, so you can do the things that you want to do in order to develop yourself. And I find that a lot of us as HR professionals, especially, and I, I'm calling you out because I'm a woman myself, and I know it. I've been, I've been there in a very early part of my career, not recognizing the importance of helping other people up. Um, that when you do that, people look at you differently. People then see you as a leader, and then you get to develop and grow as well. So, so help your people up. You know, you know, Julie, I just add there that men are just as guilty of that. Yeah. I think because you're a woman, you feel it coming from women. Because I'm a man, I do feel that in organizations as well from a coach perspective, um, especially because of my youth. And sometimes I'm going to be we're very candid here. Sometimes because of my ethnicity, you yeah. do get that feeling that. Um, okay, this is a younger guy. I've been in the I've been in corporate for X amount of years. What does he know compared to what I know? Mm -hmm. But until they see the results from your methodology, then they say, mm, okay, we could make a, a transition. Absolutely. And thank you for giving the male perspective. So yes, I really do appreciate that. Um, like I, like you said, you know, sometimes it's hard to see and because I've been in spaces where I've been predominantly working with females in HR not so much men in HR. I know I see that. I see it in other spaces as it relates to other positions. Um, so I, I know that it exists. I really want to hone in and, and express the importance of us as HR professionals stepping beyond that because as you rightly said, we are growing, we are moving. 
we're progressing into something else that's more strategic, that's more agile. And so in order to do that, we have to become more flexible, we have to pivot, and we have to be ready to make those necessary changes. So thank you for that. I would just wanted you, Elliot, to share a few tips and tricks that you think that we can use as HR professionals, especially who are feeling burned out, who are feeling um, distressed, anxious, frustrated. What are some of the things that we can do right now to kind of give ourselves a little breath, a little ease, um, and help us to step into our purpose? Thank you for your question. I think one of the things we, we really kind of share we, we kind of dig into in our workshops is knowledge. Um, Alvin Toffler spoke about the, the persons that are gonna be successful will have to have the ability to unlearn, to learn and to relearn. Yes. So when you talk about building that sort of confidence and getting that sort of relief, knowledge gives you that relief. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're speaking, when you know the material from your heart, you're not then looking at a script. No. You're not feeling around for words. You're speaking from the experiences that you have. You're sharing because you have a passion inside you. And that ties into Simon Sinek, always talking about starting with why. So that individual who you're speaking of may need to kind of look inside themselves. I hope you see what I did there, inside out. <laughs> they may need to look inside themselves and try to articulate, we say, articulate what your why is, yes. whether that's your children, whether that's your economic success, whether that's your spiritual success. Um, not everybody wants to be a millionaire. No. Not everybody wants to have the perfect um, car, the Lamborghini, the Ferrari, right. you know? So find out what your why is. And when we say articulate, we mean writing that down. Yeah. Um, writing down what your why is has so much more power mm -hmm. than just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of brings it, crystallizes that thought is what we say. Yeah. Um, so all, all the great philosophers have shared this, this information. This is nothing new. This isn't um, oh. sliced, bread, sliced bread from Elliot. I was simply asking you to write it down. Perhaps you look for tips and tricks, put it on your fridge. There's a little visor inside your car as a tip and trick, put it on your visor. So when you're putting on your Mac, or you're putting on your Bobby Brown, then you can see your, your actual affirmation or your goal. Yeah. Um, again, you wanna make those goals smart. For the persons watching, I'm not gonna bend your ears because you know what smart goals are all about. So you can do that. Mm -hmm. Another tip you can use, most of us have these really, really smart devices. And by the way, if you don't have a smartphone, you have a dumb phone. So get yourself a smartphone. <laughs> Inside your smartphone, whether it's iPhone or Android, yeah. iOS, whichever platform you're using, there's an alarm area there. Go into your alarm area and set three alarms. And those three alarms, you can actually label those alarms. And you can label those alarms with something that's relevant to your why, whether that's your children. I'm doing this because of Pookie and Mookie. I'm doing this because I want that Ferrari. I'm doing this because I wanna give more to my chosen or preferred charity. And we find that by that reiteration, by that constant consistency, having that message, message come to you over and over, then you get um, that sort of regeneration of your passion. Because even Zig Ziglar says, motivation is like bathing. You don't just bathe on Sunday no. and then don't have a bath again until Friday. <laughs> you know, for me, for this interview, well, I took a bath. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Pardon? 
We don't do that in the Caribbean for sure. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way. So, I mean, like we, we bath every day, sometimes three and four times a day. So yep. it's the same way. You need that message. You need positivity around you. Another tip, turn your car into a university on wheels. There should be no point in your in your driving session where you don't you're not feeding yourself. Um, I think it's TD Jakes who calls it feeding your faith and starving your fears. So you want to feed your faith, feeding your why, whatever you want to call it. You want to feed yourself through audio cassettes. You don't necessarily have to be listening to Jim Rohn. You don't have to be listening to Elliot or Julie. You may want to be listening on that next agile iteration, the next model of that, the next workflow, something relevant to your field. Reading an hour a day in your field is my final tip for you. Um, this has been, I mean, this has helped so many of the persons that we've worked with, and you can easily set yourself apart. You would just gradually move away from the 97% by reading one hour each day in your field. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing there. Those gems, like you dropped so many, but um, definitely, you know, feeding yourself, you know, getting away from eliminating your fears. The only way you can do that is by feeding your mind with positive thoughts and turning your car into a university. I like that. Um, I love listening to podcasts, especially TED Talks. And so for me, it's very easy to listen to those on the way to work, on the way home, you know. And definitely feeding your mind with those things is, is truly key to your being able to find a way to digest information. Do it the best way that you can. Um, so thank you so much for sharing for sharing those tips. So let me ask you this. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think your HR colleagues should be listening to, reading, watching, listening to right now? Well, it's funny you should ask. I'll show you one of my statements. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> this book, um, Think and Grow Rich, I'm, I am a Napoleon Hill fan. fan. I, I've read it a few times. And what I've observed is every time I read it, it seems like something has changed in the book. But then I learned about reading a little bit more from an ex-gentleman. I can't recall his name right now. And it's saying that every time I read the book, the book isn't changing. I'm actually wow. changing. Yeah. So what, what the, the point in the book that really stands out to me, and I think this matters to your audience, is that desire is the starting point of all achievement. So you have to want it. Unfortunately, there's a stigma around success, mm -hmm. whether it's in HR or in monetary or in familial. The, there is a stigma around success. And I think... Platforms like yours, Julie, are doing a great job of moving us away from that stigma. So I applaud you for that. There is nothing wrong with success. We are a successful people. Yeah. The fact that we're here, we're speaking thousands of miles away. That is successful. Yeah. You know, your, your chances and odds of being here, Julie, are one in 400 trillion. Wow. That is success. <laughs> there is nobody on this planet that can do it like Elliot. There's nobody that can do it like Julie. Mm -hmm. That is success. Yeah. And when we start with that sort of abundance thinking, then we can move our lives in that same trajectory. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wow. Like you just blew my mind. Like I'm very rarely speechless, but like what you just shared there really, really blew my mind because I feel like it's important for, especially as an HR professional to recognize that there's nothing wrong 
through being successful in our space. More and more, we're, we are hearing that word HR influence, and I mean, I hear it playing around all the time, and I feel like I, am, I don't believe I'm an influencer. What I believe is that I am someone who has a message to share. I'm someone who's intentional about my connections in the HR space, and I'm intentional about connecting the HR community. If that is what makes me successful, then so be it. But I don't believe that I, myself, I'm an influencer per se. And I feel like that word gets played around a lot. Um, but I find that there's there's purpose in what I want to do because I understand my why, as you said before. I understand yes. my why, which is that I want to connect my com community. I want to, you know, get rid of a lot of the misconceptions that people have around HR. And I want my HR community to feel more connected. That's why this podcast exists. And I I also want HR professionals to know they have somewhere they can lean in and get support. And that's why I have HR at heart. So all of these things really help us to understand why, my why, and therefore my success that surrounds that. So I will not deny my success, but definitely wouldn't say, um, I do not believe I'm an influencer. Put that up there. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you this question, Elliot. What is the one biggest misconception about the HR profession that you believe really needs to be set straight? That one misconception that people have about HR that you know is wrong, that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now. Well, you heard it first here. I believe the one misconception that should be actually changed is the saying, it's who you know. In the Caribbean, that's quite popular. Persons feel that you're going to get a job because of who you know. As we move into a more performance-driven economy, persons are learning that if you create enough value in the marketplace, you don't look for a job. You attract a job. Mm. The same way you don't look for success you attract success. Yes. It's the Dr. Miles Monroe, who is a famous Bahamian. He passed away, um, bless his soul. He was one of my first mentors. Okay. And he says that we should strive not to become a person of success, but strive to become a person of value. And I think that's transferable to HR. Yes. When we create value, HR headhunters will find you. Yes. Like Liam Neeson said, I will find you. <laughs> 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 yes, 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 definitely, definitely. I love that because I think that a lot of times where we get asked that question, like, how do we get into HR? Like a lot of, um, I find like a lot of people now, especially young people in the university coming out, looking to build a career and they're like, it's hard. How do I get into HR? And for us as HR professionals who may be looking to move on, it's like, how do you do that? And oh, I hear that all the time. It's not what you know, it's who you know. But if you're adding that value, it, what you know becomes the more important thing versus who you know, to some extent, depends on where you are. Um, because I see people put those vacancies out there, but then I hear people get hired internally or, you know, or we weren't going in that direction anymore, but then you hear something on the side where somebody got the job who is, have no HR experience. And even that I call into question now because there are a lot of people 
who are out there now, who are in the HR space, who don't have a degree, who have never studied HR and are very successful. So what do you say to, to, to persons as you raise that point about not what is not who you know, but what you know, where we now have that situation where there are persons entering the HR space um, that don't have that experience coming in? What advice do you have? Well, certainly there are no absolutes, so I totally agree with your previous statement. Um, this does not diminish the value that's created in developing networks, um, whether that's through your article writings, whether that's through podcasts like this, whether that's through distribution of your CV. Um, so again, it's still value generation. When yeah. that person who may have been inside the, the compound who was on the job already gets the promotion, they must have exhibited some behavior or some performance that still caused them to get the gig. So um, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, so I'm gonna put more value as well on creating networks. And we gotta find that balance between creating our networks. Um, we, we say the six de degrees of separation. Um, mm -hmm. So if we probably looked on platforms like LinkedIn that you can use, yeah. you can utilize those to actually develop yourself. Um, there are other things you can do, whether you're putting a cover letter instead of just putting your CV, um, not sending in speculative submissions, rather more specific submissions, reading the actual job title. Um, so all of these other things that you can do, actually visiting the website of the prospective employer, these things put you at a, an advantage compared to being disadvantaged. I personally feel in an age where um, the, the internet is so open to all of us, accessible. Yeah. There is no reason why you should go on to a job interview and the person says, what do you know about our company? And you're like, uh, yeah, I agree with that 1000%, especially from an HR perspective. If you are looking to be recruited as an HR professional, and you don't know anything about the company. Like how do you, how do you even begin to think you could possibly get a foot to the door because education isn't everything. Yeah. Add one more tidy bit on there. Just a bit of housekeeping as well. If you're projecting yourself as, as a prospective candidate, one of the things that is ex extremely valuable here is cleaning up. We call it cleaning up your social media profiles. Mm -hmm. If you want to move your life in a different direction, it is not appropriate for you to have a binge drinking party um, as your screenshot or your Facebook profile. Uh, this may raise some contention, and I know it may, but for the professionals out there, I'm sure they get the message. You have to be able to find a balance. What COVID-19 has taught all of us, those that were kind of listening to the messages or are listening to the message, is that there is no such thing as a work-life divide. You know, we have people on Zooms with their children running around, Pookie and Mookie are running around, the dog is jumping up on the screen, you know, the, you know there's a, there is activity going on in the household, but the work must continue. Yeah. So we, yeah. must, we must find ways to manage our personal lives while managing our businesses or being in a corporate environment, because the home is now center stage in the corporate environment, as this display is here clearly. Absolutely, Elliot. I could not have said that better. As a matter of fact, every time I'm recording these podcasts, I always say to people, look, I have two teenagers that live in here. Well, I shouldn't say 
long. I don't have two teenagers, but I have a post teen and I have a, a teenager. And they are very noisy when they are ready in terms of their activities and television, talking, having conversations. And that's my life on a daily basis. So yeah. as you said, it's right up front and center stage. I declare up front. Usually at this sometime, like around five o'clock, the ice cream van passes. I have a neighbor who builds steel pan. Uh, and yeah. I've learned so much about the people in my neighborhood just from working from home. Uh, but it's all about the context and how you put it all together and how you help people to appreciate that this is me, the HR professional in my totality. And, uh, can, I, can I share just one more story on that, please, Julie? <laughs> As we visit this entire um, canvas of speaking about interviewing and persons being in the household and the merger between the corporate and the personal lives, I was reading a story on Instagram where a young man was being interviewed for a role and his house wasn't necessarily the tidiest of houses and everything was fallen down in the background. There was loud rap, abusive language music in the background. And the person who was actually interviewing was having second thoughts on employing or giving this guy a chance as a result of what they saw in the background. I think there has to be a sensitivity um, because COVID is teaching us lessons. This is one of the other lessons. Yeah. There still has to be a sensitivity from HR professionals that not everyone has the quote unquote, whatever background, you know, some persons are in a little bit more of a humbling situation, whereas other persons may have all of the finer amenities. And as HR professionals, it's important that we don't allow our biases, our personal biases to prevent someone from potentially getting a role. Um, the end of that story is the gentleman did actually end up hiring that gentleman. He gave him a shot. And do you believe during the Zoom call, this guy shouts out to his girlfriend, honey, I got the job. The girlfriend just comes and gives him this big embrace during the interview and she's in all in tears, you know? People are hurting, Julie. You know, people are really hurting during this time. A lot of people are out of their jobs for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. So HR professionals can use this opportunities, opportunity to show their professionalism, to show that they care. And I think that's where HR is going, showing that they care. Absolutely, absolutely. Being more human in HR is definitely key. And I think like as Bridget Hyacinth says, bringing the human back into human resources is what we should be seeing. But I feel like that's, that extends to all the organization, everyone in leadership, like at this time, especially this is not business as usual. And if this has taught us one thing for sure, we can't ask people to separate their lives, as you rightly said. And, and for us as HR professionals, we can't be asked to do it either. We can't be asked to have this game face 100% of the time when there's other stuff happening in the background, just like everybody else. So we as HR also need to bear that in mind um, and show our human side. Um, so I feel like a lot of times the leadership believe we are robots because that's how we show ourselves. But if we show up as the human being that we really are in our full totality, then leadership understands that and they either respect it enough to continue to work with us or they don't. But we shouldn't be splitting ourselves in two and four we should be all able to bring our human to work and that applies to HR. So I think you said that, that nicely. Thank you so much. 
can you please tell these amazing people where they can find you on social media, Elliot? Thank you, Julie. Well, you can find us on Instagram. It's Elliot Kelly Official. So that's E-L-I-O-T-K-E-L-L-Y Official. That's on Instagram. And obviously you can email us at ElliotLKelly at gmail.com. We have several books, um, two bestsellers on Amazon, Inside Out, as well as Creating a Platinum Lifestyle that were nominated as the best self-help book, as well as the best advice books in 2019. Um, this Christmas, we're releasing um, You Know More Than You Think You Do. Um, we're really excited about that. And of course, all of our seminars across, we've been in Switzerland, we've been in Spain and Barcelona. Great reception for any one of your fans that are watching from Barcelona. Great reception there. Um, did very well there. Um, we look forward to going back um, in the new year once everything has been given to all clear. Awesome. I wish you all the best, Elliot Kelly. Thank you so much for being here. You survived your time in the sound booth. And I think this was an amazing conversation. I would love to have you back for sure, especially after you've released your book and I've read it. Um, so we could talk some more about it. Uh, but yes, thank you for joining me all the way from the Bahamas. Our audience definitely appreciated having you here. And we look forward to sounding off with you again in the near future. Never lose your passion, Julie. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.